This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 today, picking up where we left off. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2 says, Finally, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Uh, so previously, remember, Paul explained the reason for his absence. There was some concern in this local church as to why he hadn't come back. And maybe they, you know, he forgot about them or abandoned them. And he's, he reveals in chapter 2 that he was not able to come back because of Satan's interference, despite the fact that he uh, wanted to return, that he longed for them and that he was doing what he could while he was away. And remember, he previously mentioned uh, sending Timothy, and, uh, and and Timothy is the reason, one of the reasons for this letter, because he reports back to Paul what uh, what's going on in, in Thessalonica. So he sends Timothy to establish and exhort them in the faith, as he mentions in chapter 3 and verse 2. And he had been praying for them all along, that they would increase and abound in love for one another. Uh, that Christ would establish their hearts blameless and holy uh, and holiness before God. That's in verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> so this was Paul's desire. It wasn't that he had forgotten about them. He was praying for them, sending them instruction through Timothy, and now through this uh, letter, of course, that, that he's writing. Um, so this was obviously the Lord's desire as well as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to express that they grow and that they continue to walk as Jesus walked. And so to this end, he gives them further instructions as they're being persecuted. And so, first of all, he appeals to teaching that he had previously given, right? He says, you, you received, past tense, you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And you're doing that just as you're doing. But now I want you to do that more and more. <clears throat> don't give up. So right there, that's a lesson for us, right? Do we need to hear the same teachings we've already received in Christ? Well, absolutely. Just read verse one again. That's what Paul is saying. And so if the preacher gets up and he begins to preach about baptism in the name of Christ, I shouldn't tune him out because, you know, I'm telling myself, I've heard this before, or I have a good grasp on this. Uh, you know, Paul intended for these brethren to recall what they had already learned. And he's reiterating the same things in this letter. You know, he says, you know what we told you. And what were those instructions? Uh, well, he goes on to repeat them beginning in verse 3. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So he does not say, this is the will of God, your happiness, your comfort, your convenience, your wealth. It is your holiness that God desires. This is the will of God. That's how Paul sums it up. Uh, and Peter will echo this in 1 Peter 1. Remember, Peter says, Just as he called you, uh, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. All right, so this is something that you see in Christ, both in the Old and New Testaments. This is what he always desired for his people. And how easily and quickly Satan twists the truth. You know, he would have us believe that God is to serve us and to make things easy for us. 
and that God will just adjust his eternal purposes to suit our desires. And of course, that's all, that's all part of the deception. And what he ultimately wants is for us to change, for us to be transformed, to be like him, not the other way around. And so Paul explains that what holiness entails for us, according to the purposes of God, is, as he says, abstaining from sexual immorality. You continue reading there, controlling our bodies, he says, using them in holiness and honor, fleeing from passions and lusts, not hurting our brethren and living in purity. All right, so verses 3 through 7. Your Bible might read slightly different, but those that's the list uh, there that I have in, in, in my Bible. Uh, and so we look at what Paul is saying there, and he's, again, sexual immorality, controlling ourselves, not being lustful uh, people. Christians need to hear this. Uh, Christians need to be told not to sabotage one another, not to hurt one another or abuse one another. Uh, Christians need to be told not to be skirt chasers and using online pornography and all these sorts of things. Well, absolutely. If you doubt it, again, just read those verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. Read them again. Uh, These are things that we have to learn and relearn and apply to our lives. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, that's one of the... uh, obstacles that gets in our way of growth and and learning is our you know our attitude that tells us that you know again I've heard this before and I, I don't need to hear it again well the Holy Spirit is saying yes yes you do and I I do too so that it will be reinforced continually in our in our minds uh, and we'll be reminded what the Lord's will is and what the consequences are of of forsaking him and so coupled with this instruction Paul reminds us of God's judgment so he in the same breath in in verse 6 where we were just reading he says the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you so you know you, you don't have to get very far as you're reading in the New Testament I mean you just basically open up to any book and page and you'll find this kind of preaching and teaching Right demands made upon our attitudes and behaviors, and within the same verse or two, usually consequences for not doing so. Right, and that's tremendously unpopular in the in the religious world. You turn on the TV, uh, you know, you go to a bookstore and you look at the bright shiny covers and the big smiling pastors and and whatever, and the titles about you know increasing your wealth and improving self and so on and so forth. You know, and it's all feel good you know, puppy dogs and hummingbirds kind of stuff. But Paul, the apostle, wanted us to be grounded in the ultimate reality, which is we serve a holy God. He does have expectations for us, and he's going to hold us accountable for them. And if we refuse him, he is the avenger in all these things. And he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers, and we might think, well, why, why is he doing that? He says elsewhere, there's no condemnation for those in Christ in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And John, another apostle, will say, perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And that's all true. But two things can be true at the same time, right? If we pay attention to the context of those passages, what we're going to see, like in Romans 8, 1, is that 
no condemnation. And in John, no fear of punishment. Those things are conditional. Just as uh, being accepted by God is conditional here in 1 Thessalonians 4. Why Paul wanted his brethren to continue in the instruction he had given them. There is no condemnation for those in Christ who live by the Spirit. If you look in verse 9 of Romans 8. Otherwise, again, Paul says they face eternal death in verses 6 through 8. Right, so we can, you know, snatch out verses uh, from their context that make us feel good. And we say, well, there's no condemnation, nothing to worry about, uh, no, fear of, no fear of punishment. But we need to be careful if, the, if we're going to make those promises our own and have the, the peace that those verses afford. We got we to gotta put the rest of the verses together around them. I mean, we got to read those too. And the, the way we have confidence in the day of judgment is by abiding in God's love, 1 John four seventeen. So it's conditional. So if I abide in God's, God's love, yeah, I can have no fear of punishment. If I live by the Spirit, then there is no condemnation for me in, in Christ. But if I live by the flesh or go back to living in the flesh and just pursuing my desires and bowing down to my, my own heart and will, well, then that brings condemnation. So Jesus tells us if we are to abide in his love, it will be through humble obedience to him. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. John fifteen ten. It's incredible to me that Jesus applies that same standard to himself. That true love, true loyalty always means humble service to our master. That's how he understood it, and that's how he would uh, have us behave also. And so Jesus, he doesn't take away God's wrath and judgment. Both wrath and judgment are still coming. And in fact, Jesus will be the tip of the spear. This is something that Paul will talk about in Second Thessalonians uh, in chapter 1 right off the bat. He's done it here too as well. Uh, it's been one of the motivations or one of the um, ways that he's exhorted his brethren here to continue the course. He reminds them that Jesus will return. And he continues to do that in the second letter, as I mentioned. He says, The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that just simply doesn't sit well with the most and the many, uh, even in the religious world. But again, you find that all over the pages of the New Testament. And so it shouldn't surprise us to find Paul telling Christians in Thessalonica and elsewhere that their salvation is conditional and that the Lord will bring vengeance against them if they cease striving for holiness. Right? The word that he uses, or the phrase, if you will, in verse 6 is, he's solemnly warned solemnly warned them about this. And we need to lay that to heart as well. And lest there be any doubt about the origins of Paul's message, he, he clarifies in verse 8, Therefore, whoever rejects this, rejects not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Okay, so make no mistake, Paul is saying, this isn't, you know, these ideas didn't originate with me, and I'm not just berating you, for the sake of braiding you or being hard on you, he's saying this is God's will, verse 3, and to denigrate and despise 
what I'm writing to you, this scripture is to denigrate and despise the God who gave it. And there again, we need this powerful reminder because it's, it's fundamental, but this teaching must reside in our hearts. And if it's to do that, I'm convinced we have to know and remember who it came from. And that's what Paul is doing here. He does it over and over again. First Corinthians 14 is another, another example. After giving all those instructions about the assembly and conduct there, he says, but the one who, um, if, if a man doesn't recognize this, he is not recognized uh, because what the things that I write to you are the Lord's commandment. And so, you know, we, we, if we were to keep that in mind, do you think we'd be better listeners? Would we try harder to focus and examine ourselves in Bible class and during sermons and be less concerned with making jokes and uh, trying to say something witty or impress the audience with our good comments? I think so. One doesn't have to be openly hostile to the truth to be its enemy. All you have to do is ignore it. And this brings condemnation just as quickly. Solomon said, The one who is lazy in his work is a brother to the one that destroys. Proverbs 18.9 So we can't grow lazy toward God's Word. Reading it, studying it, certainly applying it, um, it's, a, it's a disciplined effort that has to, that has to take place. You know, it's exercise, if you want to think of it that way, you know, just as with physical exercise we do, for the most part, I mean, people who are really into that, I'm not one of them, <laughs> but, uh, but usually there's a regimen, you know, that they stick to, you know, there's leg day and back day and arms and chest and so on and so forth. And they'll do a lot of the similar exercises over and over and over again, rep- repetition, right? Uh, but it's precisely through that repetition that strength is gained and conditioning is is gained. You know, you may run the same, jog the same route every single day, and you know do very little to change your your pacing and uh, so on and so forth. But you're getting stronger as you do that, um, and the same is true spiritually. So we understand that from a, a physical standpoint, and Paul is is telling us that's the spiritual reality as well. Uh, In verse 9, he says, Concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Excuse me. So he doesn't mean here, obviously, that he has nothing else to say about it. Because notice, he'll say the same thing again in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But what he's he's doing, and even, even there he goes on to give further instruction, just like he's doing here. But rather, this wordage, I'm persuaded, means is it's emphasizing the previous instruction, uh, you know, of chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, uh, again, chapter 4 and verse 2 that we just read a moment ago. He'll say the same phrase again in 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 and in 3, 7. Um, so, I mean, if they had no need in the, in the most literal and obvious sense, then Paul would not have said anything more. But after saying you have no need, he goes on to say more. So what, what he wants them to know I believe, is that he's not rebuking them, in other words. He says, I know that you're, um, as he says at the beginning of chapter 4, just as you are doing, you know, or that phrase in Second Thessalonians, excel still more. Um, you, uh, just, you know, you're loving, loving one another just as you're doing, excel, excel still more. Um, but what he's doing ultimately is reminding and encouraging them to walk according to love 
and and not give up and and take to heart the previous instructions. And thus he says they were taught by God to do this. That is uh, through the instruction of the Word of God that they received initially. Uh, so it's not that they had, um, you know, a direct revelation from God, but he means the inspired teaching of God that came through him, the other apostles when he was there in Acts 17. And so these these teachings of Christ that he's referring to were delivered through him and, and, and again, others. Uh, but he's reminding them once more that this is divine instruction. It's It didn't originate with me. And whether it comes by direct inspiration or whether it comes through those who have been inspired, um, the point is, if any of us is to learn how to truly love, uh, we can only learn from the author of love itself. I should say the author of love himself. Uh, So in in this, there is no plateau. Uh, That's why Paul says you got to do it more and more. You're not allowed to stand still on the road to heaven. And a living tree never stops growing. And so it may be at a different rate. It may be incrementally compared to to others, but uh, that's fine. You know, so long as we're growing. Uh, And then finally, Paul says in verses 11 and 12, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And so it is to the glory of Christ and yours when he returns that if you live quietly and mind your own business and support yourself and your family through honest labor. That's what Paul's talking about here. Uh, The desire for glory has been twisted by men who fantasize about being the strongest or the wealthiest or the most talented or the most revered or the most celebrated in their field. Uh, and all of these daydreams have one thing in common, and that's me, myself, and I. You know, look at me, celebrate me, honor me. Uh, but Paul is saying this is not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is humble service uh, to those immediately around you. I'm not drawing attention to yourself. You know, as Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And so this is how Paul is teaching us how that same spirit should look. It shows itself in just your your everyday affairs, your everyday life. You go about your business uh, and you don't make a spectacle of yourself. You don't clamor for attention or recognition. You you're just you do your work and you're satisfied with that. As you love and support your your family and your brethren and you try to build them up. You know, we want so badly, I think, to be relevant in our in our world. Um, and I think, you know, news media and social media, you know, it just preys upon that desire and feeds it in in, in, in many ways. Um, and it's just one big distraction, right? Um, we're so concerned about what's going on in the White House that we forget to manage the affairs in our own house, right? Now, that's not to say we should be unconcerned about things happening on the national stage or the world stage. You know, it, Paul said in First Timothy 2 that we should pray for all people in authority, kings and rulers. But do you remember what the reason was in, in that context? Well, he says there again, so that you may lead a quiet life. 
Um, and in the interest of spreading the gospel, as he goes on to say, because God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, right? So that uh, those prayers concerning those in authority, you know, making national decisions or state decisions, whatever, is to the is to the end that uh, the gospel that gospel teaching is facilitated, that there's no obstacles there, that we we can go about doing that peaceably. Uh, so it's a uh, it's it's a hard thing. I know people get frustrated with, you know, the the corruption and obvious deception that goes on in the politosphere and the mudslinging, and it's just all over the place. And the, and then on top of that, you just have the the over evil that's going on in, in the world and shootings happening everywhere all the time, uh, and innocents are targeted and and uh, and I and I don't and I don't mean to. Um, diminish the the seriousness of any of that in, in any way by saying that they can be distracting but what I, what i mean by that is we we get you know we're just feed we're just constantly feeding our minds with that stuff and then we begin wringing our hands rather than um you know praying getting on our knees and praying and and recognizing, well, you know, that's really all I can do for those people who are a world away. But I've got work I've got to do here for my family and those those around me. And uh, and and the biblical pattern is as I as I and you do that wherever you are in, in the world, uh, the ripple effects. Um, you know, who knows how far our influence is going to go? Uh, don't don't sell yourself short. Uh, this is. This is God's way to ultimate relevancy and glory, and that's just humble service to others. And we we look at what happens in the book of Acts in the beginning without, you know, those none of those brethren had cell phones or the internet or, you know, any of the modern amenities for communication that we have today. But man, the gospel spread like crazy, and it was just because they did what they could where they were for one another. And uh, I'm persuaded if we were to do that, we'd, we'd see the same same results. Uh, I think we'd be surprised. Uh, so, so brethren in Thessalonica had apparently forgotten this, and some, you know, would eventually quit working altogether. Paul will talk about that in Second Thessalonians, and he um, addresses their undisciplined way of life, as he calls it, their walking aimlessly. Uh, so, the, the thirst for human glory is is distracting and destructive, and even by association, as I mentioned, you know, we get we can be pulled into so many stories and conversations and that are just uh, un, unfruitful and ultimately take away time and energy from you know what we could be doing and I think it's all tied to this desire for uh, relevancy or just getting um, confused about what what should be taking priority even if it's in a very subtle way um, so let's just remind of ourselves what God says is relevant and ultimately important and, you know, be satisfied with that and, and focus on the task that's before us and wait patiently for his return. When he sets everything right, vengeance is his um, and, and look forward to the praise and glory that he will bestow. Let, let him tell us how relevant we were in this, in this life, if at all. And no human praise could ever match that or take it away. Uh, so appreciate you tuning in. I'll leave you with those thoughts today and uh, look forward to studying with you again.